The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. It's good to see all of you here this morning. I uh, quoted a little bit in my prayer or exhortation or whatever we want to call it, uh, and, and perhaps imperfectly, something from a book called A Life Worth Living by a man whose name was Chuck Reinhold. Uh, Chuck came to know the Lord Jesus. Do a lot of you know him? Do some of you know him? Anybody raising a hand? He was a, a stalwart and, and a pillar in the Young Life movement, uh, a movement to uh, teach kids, young people, that Jesus loved them. That's the bottom line. And he would come and, and uh, to a group of, of people that he never knew and, and say words like this or have them say it, at least in their heart and mind, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. The gospel is great news. What is the great news? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It's almost like a banker's statement. We were in debt we had done wrong. There, there was nothing but emptiness inside, and he comes to fill us and to change us more and more into the image of his son. The good news is that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And as Paul said, and I want to agree with him, and I was the foremost, and yet showing mercy to the foremost of sinners in Paul's case He showed that no matter what we have done, and someone out here needs this today, God loves you and wants to meet you this morning. Our culture is getting a crack at our kids that is almost unbelievable from the reports I'm getting from parents. We need to pray. We need to pray. And we need to live the life There is a power that comes upon the believer when the Holy Spirit comes to reside in him at conversion, at new birth. In our passage here in Mark, Mark 1 uh, through 15, I'm going to read what we did. I'll, I'll do some stuff, talk a little further. Here we go. In the beginning, the gospel, good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Another scripture says this, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. There was a reason he came, and it was to infuse those humans that want it with grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, meeting my destitution with his restitution. As it is written in Isaiah, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. This is speaking of John the Baptist, who was the advanced man, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. This is an exciting moment. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. Baptism representing a cleansing, a renewal, a covering of all our sins, all our stuff, and life coming upon us, proclaiming a baptism of repentance, repentance, that's turning. Turning first our hearts and minds and then ourselves to him. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem, we're going out to him. And we're being baptized by him in the uh, uh, River Jordan, confessing their sins. 
There's such a humility to that. Something was going on in them, something so deep that they wanted to be done with their old life and have newness and, and the reverberation of the very word of God. Thy sins are forgiven you in their hearts. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his weight and ate locusts. And we talked about that and preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose shoe I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, up out of the water, immediately, there's that word, we'll see it over and over in Mark's very efficient and very poignant uh, teaching, was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open as if a father is unwrapping a gift and wants to see the new baby that has just come being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. We see this, don't we? Repeated, the spirit baptizing, the spirit descending. We need more than ourselves in this life. That's the point. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. And then verse 12, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and angels were ministering to them. Now, this is a packed phrase. There is so much just within this and numerous of the gospel writers have discussed it at greater depth than we're going to touch on today. But what we need to see here is he drove out into the wilderness you will remember the wilderness was a place that it said the winds howled. There was an idea in, in that particular place as if there was something alive out there and it wasn't good. There were wild animals. There were jackals and, and bears and lions and all kinds of things. That wasn't good. I think those that went out there were probably often armed with a rod and the staff for comfort. And angels were ministering to the Lord Jesus. They were there too. And there are angels watching over us even now. No sooner was the baptism over than temptation and challenge came on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you been baptized? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are all your trials now over? Are all of your challenges now over? The answer is obvious. Absolutely not. It's as if we have entered into a comp competition and we're playing now in the big leagues and temptations come to us as believers, but they are not to make us fall. They are the weights we lift to get stronger, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord Jesus. The only way to change is through certain frictions and pressures. And yes, temptations. Temptations to sin are sure to come, the Christian, the Bible says. A challenges and a fight. You know, uh, there's an Irish coach up at NYU, and I remember him talking to his kids, and he would use this Irish phrase, and forgive me for slaughtering the accent, but he said, You're, we're fit to fight. We're fit to fight. And the idea there was a, a football analogy, but for us, 
It is a fitness and a strengthening and a conflict that we don't win in our own strength. But here's the good news. We are not only forgiven, we are empowered. We had no hope in the world. We were undone. We were lying on our backs, knifed and damaged, bleeding in the street. But Jesus came and he puts us on our feet and then he sets up challenges, weightlifting to make us stronger. Temptation can simply be that uh, laboratory that makes us more like the very Son of God. If he went through it, certainly we will. And it says he was 40 days in the wilderness. Now, the commentators will tell you that's a generic term like uh, uh, the Israelites were 40 years in the wilderness. 40 is just kind of a popular word to say they're out there a long time. But Jesus is involved in a spiritual conflict. It was Satan who tempted and tried Jesus. What does Satan mean? It means adversary. There's someone out there, someone dark. The word Satan in Hebrew simply means an adversary in the Old Testament. It was used of human adversaries, but here's the thing. Um, as a young man, for each of us, when we talk Satan and the demonic, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, or at least there will not be detail. As a very young man, I didn't believe in any of that. I came to Jesus Christ. I was so glad. I knew my sins were forgiven. We didn't talk much in the church I came out of about dark things, and nor will I today say much about it except to say this. Remember, this purpose was the Son of God manifest, made known to destroy the works of the evil one. Clearly, in the Scripture, they talk about someone evil. Jesus is in a battle. He is fighting someone who was already a defeated foe because his blood has been shed to take away our sins, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to defeat all the wiles of the evil one. But I didn't believe in any of that until after several years as a believer and having some uh, problems and struggles in the temptation area, many, I came to believe as I sought the Lord, I said, God, if this is real, if this stuff is real, show me. And uh, he showed me in ways that were incontrovertible. I think those in this room understand this. Uh, uh, incident, and there are children here, incidents after incident of some of the darkest things you can imagine, just that were going on in, in a, at that time I was an RA in a college, that's a resident advisor, I did that for a couple years. And the sorrows that some of those kids experienced were dramatic and traumatic. And over and over, and they came to my house in a, the most bizarre way. In other words, they were delivered to me because I was a resident Christian but I didn't understand all the dynamics, but this situation sculpted my character and shape to see that the only hope for these kids, many of whom were strung out on drugs, and this was one of the besetting problems that illuminated a severe darkness in their human soul. He brought me to them, and I would at least tell them of Jesus and pray for them. I was no big deal. People just knew that I was crazy enough to do that. There were others that were praying for me as these people were sent to me because uh, uh, people around that see this kind of bizarre behavior that was going on in this particular era 
knew that there were no human answers. I went with one guy to a, um, the foremost, shall we say, mental health professional on the ca- campus, and he just said, uh, based on what uh, this young man was contemplating, he said, you know, we all have choices to make in life, and you will make a choice for good or for, for ill. That was it. And at the time, I thought that was uh, awful because I had been through the emergency room and to the people, and at the end of the day, vastly experienced physician, psychiatrist, said there was nothing he could do. And I felt so alone in a sense, and yet I found out over the years that he was right. And I I speak to the television people, we have choices to make in life, and the real choice to make is to believe the gospel, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that Jesus still walks with open arms. He is still the good shepherd that takes in the sheep that is wounded and puts it on his shoulders and helps that sheep out. People got help in that era, and many in that era came to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, I think we are in a similar time to the late 60s, early 70s, and I don't want to do a big deal about it, but the bottom line is, it is a wonderful time to tell people of the love of Christ. It's an amazing, amazing time for that. And I think we will find there is a new openness. Remember, ask, admire, Admit, ask people questions about themselves, admire something about them. And I, I was in the parking lot with a guy that he's a neighbor. Just asked him questions, queried him. Because I love him, because I want him to know the Lord. I'm no big deal. That is not the point. The bo- bottom line, ask, admire, spoke some of that, and just said, you know what? Apart from Jesus, it got to a place. I'm just a mess. Apart from him, I needed him desperately. And I know. Life stopped. It's as if the atmosphere was charged in a good way. And he heard what I was saying. I'm experiencing this a significant amount. Are you? It's just real simple. We come in as humble as we need to be and truly are. We are pressed out, shaken together, running over with Jesus if we just say, God, help me, have mercy on me, a sinner, certainly, but also empower me as a saved person. Give me grace to do the very best that I can. Jesus was in the same type of wilderness we're in, and tempted and yet without sin. He withstood it all. When we turn to the New Testament, we have some interesting thing about this adversary of our soul. In Luke 13, 16, there's a lady who is, who is um, bent over and challenged. And, and basically, the Lord Jesus talks about the, the fact that Satan has kept her in this position. There are external, physical manifestations of a brokenness and a distance from the Lord. 
And the Lord wants to answer prayer and touch people even in the physical realm. I don't know how. I'm not noted for praying for people and seeing sickness removed. But over time, we have seen many people recover. We have had a number of people who almost died this year because of COVID. And by God's grace, they didn't. I don't boast in that in any human. All I know is that God answered our prayers and has kept many alive. Some have not been uh, so fortunate. But here's the good news for the believer. For the believer to be absent from this body is to be present, catapulted to be with the Lord. Jesus is there in a, a mortal combat with Satan. And we will talk about that in some other uh, parts of the gospel or in the next few weeks. He is also there with the lion the leopard, the bear, the wild boar, and the jackal. Some think that may be an, an, an allusion to that future time when Jesus comes and it says, the lion shall bow down with the lamb. Maybe that's what he was experiencing in the wilderness, but I doubt it. I think that he was in a dangerous position and yet his trust in his father carried him through. He's challenged and yet not bent or broken. He is victorious. Our enemy wants to destroy us. He is a thief who comes to kill and rob and to destroy. How do, what do we do in that environment? We turn everything over to God. And we just said, say, my life is yours, Lord. Have your way. Empower me to do your work and your will. I can't do this life in my own strength, but you can. And then we rebuke Satan and every demon power and tell people about the love of Christ. The angels were helping the Lord Jesus. They helped him. They ministered to him after his encounter with Satan. In the same way, something was going on there angelic. Remember Elisha, when the skies were opened by the Lord and he saw all around him horses and chariots protecting forces in the cosmos, in the heavenly realms. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That we're, when you're in a dire situation, just somewhere as the song went over the rainbow, just there, he and a multitude of heavenly friends are there to comfort and to protect you when your eyes are open to spiritual reality. Now, after John was arrested, verse 15, 14, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel was a gospel of salvation and of wholeness. It means good news. What is the good news? You are saved by grace through faith plus nothing. Until Jesus came, men could only guess and grope about life, William Barclay said, a famous commentator. Only guess and grope. There was nothing out there, not really, or they created gods in their own image that didn't work, that didn't actually do anything except kill and rob and to destroy because ultimately there was a satanic tap into all of that nonsense. This is what we're seeing in our culture right now, lost people who don't know the Lord from the man in the moon. Who will tell them? Who shall I send? Who will go? I thank God for groups like Young Life that are out there in the highways and byways with kids, loving them into the kingdom of God, or Campus Crusade for Christ, 
But who is that person in your neighborhood that will love your next door neighbor? I keep a list, my Oikos list of people that are in my building and we're praying for them every day, every day. And he gives opportunities. I'm just saying, don't do anything in your own strength. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you will be empowered for good works. Marcus Aurelius, one famous Roman um, uh, we'll call him a potentate, said this, the soul can see but dimly. And the word he uses is a Greek word for seeing things through water. Until Christ came, there, he, was, he was a blind man in essence is what he's saying. But they do not need to guess and grope when Jesus comes in. Seneca, the great uh, scholar, the great and brilliant philosopher said, our helplessness is, is, is so evident in everything necessary. We are utterly helpless. He lived in a world without God, and there was a sensitivity in his spirit to the fact that he was alone in the universe, and not only alone, utterly defeated. The struggle for goodness, in that struggle, men were losing the battle. The, the, the human person... The person apart from Christ, and we have been there, is ultimately helpless. Temptations to sin are sure to come for the unbeliever as well as the believer. And inside us, there are two people. One that perhaps wants to do the right thing, but the other one who can't do the right thing. And so life is one endless battle with no helper. But, but for Jesus Christ... Robert Burns said this of himself, looking at himself apart from Christ. My life reminded me of a ruined temple. What strength, what proportion, and some parts. He's talking about the good part of himself. What unsightly gaps, what prostrate ruins in other parts of me. Man is haunted by his own goodness, and yet this other person is inside him that's unutterably sinful. What is he to do? He is to inculcate and drink in the good news that God was in Christ reconciling to him to himself. And you shall receive power, exousia, power to become the children of God. Power over all the wiles of the enemy. Power to live a life that you could only dream of until Jesus came. Good versus evil. When Jesus comes in as the superman of our soul, we have help coming in from above. Christianity tells us of a God who is more ready to give than we are to ask. He grants us immortality. To the pagan, the life is only a road to death, so I will maximize pleasure and minimize pain. Christ comes in and maximizes joy and possibility for the believer. I knew how I was before Jesus came in, in the darkness of my soul. I would agree with Burns' report. Inside me there dwells no good thing, or that was the case. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior came, he saved us not because of good works, 
But according to his mercy, he saved us and granted us the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. You were dead in trespasses and sins. He has made us to be alive. And you, because Jesus lives in you, are the light of the world. Lord, we thank you that you have placed within us your dear son. We thank you that we at least know we can do nothing but grasp and grope in our own strength. And yet in you, Lord, you said we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, Lord, come alongside us even this day, even in this hour, and give us divine wisdom, divine appointments, not stress-filled human attempts to do something good. No, no, rather the amazing grace of the leading of thy Holy Spirit, even to the wilderness, that we may conquer the enemy of man's soul, the devil, who is already a defeated foe. And if there is anyone here this morning who has never received you and who has never believed in your name, that one you would like to give power to become a child of God. If that is your situation, just say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, you will leave this place justified before God, made right with him, and you will be his child from now on and forevermore. Bless this thy people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.